Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. I think that's going to happen tonight. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for to this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Hey, everybody. Y'all can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. I'm doing all right. Had had an interesting week with some, you know, appliance troubles and air conditioning malfunctionings with the storms here in Houston. But happy to be on the pod talking with you, gentlemen. Terry, how are you doing tonight? I am doing excellent. You can find me at Cushman MLB on Twitter. Red Sox get swept by the St. Louis Cardinals Friday narrowly by. A score of eight to six on Saturday. They lost four to three. Utterly blown out tonight in the finale, nine to one. They are back in sole possession of last place in the American League East, now eight and a half games back from the division leading Tampa Bay Rays. Rays, by the way, 31 wins. Next closest team, I think there's two tied at 26 wins. They are just running away with it. Head and shoulders, the best team in Major League Baseball. But I'm doing good. Had an uneventful weekend. Charlie um, drove about 3,000 miles. (laughs) Yeah, it's been eventful. I don't know what was worse, watching and hearing everything going on for Kenley's second appearance or or that experience. It's been, and honestly, so I don't know how everyone else is feeling about this, but I'm pretty annoyed. I'm, I'm very irritated by the events that transpired in the second game because, you know, every closer blows a save. Few greats have blown back-to-back saves. I think Mariano Rivera did that in 2004 in the ALCS against us. So it can't happen. It can't happen to the greats. And I, I you know, it's crazy to, to to put those two in the same sentence um, and and compare those two. But I think Kenley is a lockdown closer, and there was just so much rule manipulation, in, in my opinion, that it was just incredible. So. I, Cody, I don't know how you're feeling about this. I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form feeling any different after this series because luck comes and goes both ways. Sometimes there's errant throws and sometimes there's, you know, unfortunate pitching situations. But this was not the standard three-game set that I think anybody that's a Red Sox fan thought was going to happen. It, it, uh, Cody, is there anything in particular that's on your mind about that? I mean, to peek behind the curtain a little bit, right, you know, we were obviously all pretty frustrated with the way game one ended, right, you know, um, bullpen, which had been performing um, immaculately all year, right, kind of kind of struggles down the stretch there and, you know, culminates in, in an ugly ninth inning with, with Kenley blowing the save. And all of us were like, hey, look, you know, you're not going to go 42 for 42 or, you know, however many save opportunities, you're not going to bat 1,000, it's fine, flush it, we'll get them tomorrow. And And to have the same kind of unraveling happen the next day, and seemingly have it be more of our own quote unquote forced errors just made it a little bit more um, shocking to say the least. Right. You're sitting there wondering like, Hey, you know, sure. The Cardinals were playing better baseball coming in, but they're definitely a team that had been underperforming. Um, This would have been a series that, you know, we would have liked to taken care of and we're sitting on the the wrong end of a sweep here. Um, It's just uh, puzzling altogether. Absolutely. And uh, Terry, I know uh, you got to experience the, expectation of what the other side the other half of our crew thought was going to happen and um our our, our dear friends on, on that on that side of the pod i i am without words because they didn't get it wrong it was just unfortunate but terry go ahead yeah we all three of us on the midweek show had the red sox winning the series jason boldly had the red sox sweeping it so 
he got the sweet part right, but you know, if if you're gonna look to us for advice on betting, which we don't recommend, I highly don't recommend listening to Jason. Attention, Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account and bonus bets. Win or lose. All you have to do is use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 older, and physically present in Massachusetts or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. So I think Jason got it right. I would have said the same thing as him. Gun to my head. This was a complete shock of this of a series. Um, I don't think anyone thought, including Cardinals fans, thought that they were going to sweep Boston. But crazier things have happened. Um, as is the standard, we do studs and duds because we did not win this series. We are going to start with our duds first. Terry, I'm going to have you lead off with your dud, and then Cody will have you weigh in right after. So my dud for the series will be the pitcher for the finale. That would be Corey Kluber, who uh, did not uh, pitch well at all, really. Uh, five innings, gave up four earned run. Uh, excuse me. No, I'm looking at Paxton's line. Yeah, still five innings, seven hits, four earned runs, uh, walked three, struck out five, gave up two uh, home runs, Struggling with his command, his uh, pitch count was up to 75 pitches at the end of the third inning. That's terribly uh, inefficient. And it just seems to me that Kluber, in a couple of recent games leading into this one, was kind of fortunate uh, in his previous start. I'm pulling up that right now. Uh, he gave up uh, four walks, but I think only two earned runs and just kind of, you know, got away with it. You know, that could have been an absolute shelling uh, if they were able to capitalize on that. Uh, that was against the Phillies, actually. Um, nope, I lied. That was against the Blue Jays. He actually pitched fairly well against the Phillies. But, um, yeah, gave up three earned uh, to the Blue Jays. Uh, walked four. It's just, if he can't, it's one thing if he's not going to be throwing faster than 88 miles an hour, if he's not going to have any velo beyond that. It's a whole other thing if you can't locate. If you're a, an off-speed finesse guy and you can't locate, you're just not going to get it done. And... I think as the season goes on, other teams are just going to be more prepared. They're just going to be more prepared for what's coming at them. And it's just going to, it's going to be tough. I mean, if, if things went a little more sideways in that third inning, your, your bullpen's already in the game. And, uh, I guess the good news for that, I don't know when we would talk about this. Ryan Brazier DFA'd. So that's Alex Cora's guy in a mop-up situation. So we'll we'll see how that translates. But getting back to Kluber, didn't didn't like what I saw, and I, I think it could be a sign of things to come. Cody. Yeah, I mean, you know, you never like to see 75 pitches through three innings. Um, give credit where the credit is due. Uh, I'm surprised he got through five to begin with. Uh, with only four earned runs, he very clearly looked like he didn't have his best stuff tonight. You know, the commentators were mentioning that he didn't trust his fastball. And, you know, to be able to set up those off-speed pitches, you got to be able to locate the fastball to to keep them, you know, looking for something uh, different than just a curve, right? And so, you know, the, I guess, you know, the the lone bright spot this might be is 
we're we're currently looking at a six man rotation, potentially seven, you know, with with Crawford and and all these guys that are performing well. Underneath Paxton's coming back, he's looked you know better than um, I guess we could have uh, hoped for. You know, that's a topic for another discussion. But maybe Kluber is the the easy guy to be the mop up duty or the long man in, in the bullpen. It could make that that rotation uh, discussion a little bit simpler. Uh, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be. Uh, Hauk or Abeo or, you know, some of these other names that keep getting floated out for some reason that none of us can can kind of seem to put the the merit behind. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, another underwhelming performance by by Kluber. Um, all you can really say is he's he's kind of being the Pavetta of last year, excuse me, uh, without the high end. You know, he's not hitting the one hitters, those complete games or those seven seven shots. He's just kind of going along five innings, four earned runs here, five earned runs there, three earned runs on a good night. Um, and you're like, all right, ho-hum, you know, maybe the offense can wake up and pick him up. But uh, that wasn't the case tonight, so it looks extra bad. So um, I admittedly did not get to watch all three games, but I did get to watch the third one. Um, a lot of traffic allows viewer the game to be quite simple. You're, you know, snail pacing it. 31 pitches in the third inning. 31 pitches and three walks. I don't know how many pitchers can throw 30 plus pitches in an inning or a half inning, excuse me. Walk three guys, allow no hits and allow no runs. And still be okay, for the lack of a better term, because you've already blown through what some pitchers do in like five plus. So that's a problem. Already, he's not been as consistent as I think everybody thought. You know, he allowed seven runs earlier this year. He allowed four runs against Tampa Bay. And granted, that's, you know, a team that he played for. They knew him pretty well. The home runs that he gave today to Paul DeYoung and um, it was their catcher, uh, Neiser or Neisler. I forget. I forget his last name, but he hit a two-run rocket uh, too, and almost same place. Like just, he's got his fastball is what 84, 85 at the at the best. I mean, he's he's really fooling people on movement, and DeYoung got caught just staring at like a masterful slider. I don't know. I don't know many pitchers that are going to be able to survive on just movement alone, like him, like this at 37. Most can't do it. He, he's, he's able to do this without a, uh, an out pitch. Like he had the first batter down. Oh, two. And then one, two, 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 three, two. And then a double to left field. That already was starting to get me concerned because you need you need that out pitch. You cannot have an 0-2 count and lose that batter. You just can't. And you can't have it be the first batter either because the very next batter, bloop, single to right field, and now it's 1-0. So you've thrown a handful of pitches. We're now down 1-0. So Kluber has an ERA north of six. He has only a couple of wins this year. His whip's one and a half. Um... He's giving us five innings. He's given us five innings or more um, in five of his last six starts. Uh, and then counting tonight, I believe that's six out of seven. So would it be safe to assume that anything past five innings for, for Kluber is just bonus for Corey? Or is it, is it possible that he can, he can actually get better, not walk as many guys? I mean – the only walks he surrendered were in that inning. That that was it. He didn't walk anybody else in, in the game. But the four runs, seven hits, pretty alarming for me. I, I don't know. I think it, it's it's part of the problem that the Red Sox have right now with their rotation. Um, granted, we did have some people come back. Some other people have been really putting in the work. Is Corey Kluber one of those guys that is uh, a potential – you need to be wary that he might lose his spot in the rotation? Well, Nick Pavetta is going to be making a start on Tuesday against the Mariners, so perhaps that could factor into what those plans are. But as I've been covering on recent episodes, these guys aren't getting cut. I mean, there's no help coming from Worcester. 
everybody's getting destroyed down there. Brandon Walter, uh, Chris Murphy, and now Mata, Brian Mata is on the injured list with shoulder inflammation. So I don't, th- this is where all of my concerns lied mostly with the Red Sox this season is, is in the rotation. And you've got Hauk and Bayo going in this series. This is a big series coming up against a team that's been playing very well lately. So I don't know. I don't know who plays better where. I mean, Pavetta got destroyed after his last start in the media for defiantly saying he's never been a reliever. He's always been a starter. He he only sees himself as a starter uh, after turning in an absolute dud performance. So I, I don't know. I, I just feel like at this point you're picking your poison as far as who stays in the rotation and who goes to the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cody, anything else you want to add? Uh, just to kind of piggyback on the point you made, right? He's getting to these 0-2 counts seemingly quickly. He's throwing a lot of strikes, but then he's filling up the count. You know, I, you know, I think he had six full count um, at-bats through like three innings or something like that, right? That's just, Which is remarkable. Right. Not a and, good remarkable. No, it sure isn't. And I don't know if it's the need for a put-away pitch. I don't know if it was him trying to get too cute or, or whatnot. But, you know, he had the slider and the curveball moving tonight. I guess just guys weren't chasing it because they knew that the fastball wasn't there to keep him honest. I don't know, you know, what they were picking up on him or if they had scouted him well enough or whatnot. But, you know, that outing looks a lot different if he's able to convert some of those um, early 0-2 counts and, and put those batters away. But. You know, alas, we'll see what the the rotation looks like maybe in a turn or two because we've got guys coming back, as Terry mentioned. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe it's a drastically different rotation in, you know, two or three turns. And Whitlock's coming back. He's going to pitch a rehab game, I think, this week. Starting True. the rehab game, I might add. So, F- Fingers crossed it all goes well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cody, why don't you hit us with your dud? So my dud for this series uh, was only uh, the one and the only uh, Kike Hernandez. I, you know, I think a lot of people have consternation with him. Um, it goes a little bit more beyond just his stat line, which was you know two games played and then tightness within the hamstrings, so he missed today. I guess he's coming for Terry slash Christian Arroyo's uh, you know pulled hamstring whatever award or you know most games missed by that. But uh, he went zero for seven with or sorry not zero for seven. Um, one for seven with a hit, a strikeout, and two grounded into double plays. But really, it's the the error that could have potentially gotten us out of uh, game two with with a W, right? Um, I think that brings him up to a league leading ten errors on the season playing shortstop. He's not batting well. Like, there's not a lot that he's doing well from that position at shortstop, right? Um, kind of a microcosm to, to his season, which is really unfortunate. You know, this is a guy that brought in a lot of energy, you know, a beloved player in the clubhouse and with this fan base. I'm going to be honest with you. I think all of us coming into the season were excited that he resigned. You know, we're like, hey, look, we're retaining, you know, reasonable to above reasonable talent. Um, You know, Bloom made the promise to him, hey, we're going to get better players. And, uh, you know, it could have been one of those things where he's like, cool, we'll have better players around me to help me win. But now it might be, hey, we got better players around here that are going to push you out, my guy, because what you've been bringing to the table hasn't been it this season. Um, I don't know if it's just he's not comfortable at, at shortstop or he's trying to force it or, you know, he's he's getting in his own head because he's had some of those errors. But, um, I mean, that that throw from second to first, yeah, you know, the runner was close and, and you kind of got to press it a little bit, but that thing wasn't even close. You bounced it pretty much halfway there and you gave you know the first base of no chance um it's just been really disappointing and you know stories uh already hitting and throwing from 75 feet you know um Emmanuel Vasquez has been playing well so you know could he be the odd guy out instead of a Duran or a Cassis because you know it looks like Cassis is figuring it out what's going to happen when when story comes back is is something to monitor story uh story um Kike's having a bad year. You know, this is his worst five or six weeks, you know, of, of any period in, you know, his run here with Boston. And Cody's right. The second that ball came out of his hands, it, it was hooked. 
he kind of hooked it down towards the dirt. Maybe uh, an above average everyday first baseman comes up with it and only one run ends up coming in uh, at at the worst, if even that. But you had 38-year-old Justin Turner uh, at first base and he couldn't he couldn't pick it and I put it more on Kike I mean you should be able to throw the ball from second to to first and you know at least not you know lose control of the game so he also leads uh, all shortstops in MLB with eight errors on the season already so he's on pace for I don't know it, probably 35, 36 uh, errors on the season. We're just not getting the value we thought we were going to be getting. Like when Kike was signed last year to another, I think it was a 10 or $12 million deal. I thought, oh, thank goodness. You gotta, you don't have much outfield depth. You need Kike. Like I never in my wildest imaginations thought he'd be a, a middle infielder exclusively. And that's what we're getting. And He's like I said, he's got a negative war, and there's just no value there. And when Story comes back, and if Kike's not hitting, I mean, what do you do? What do you do with your middle infield? Because uh, right now, I want Valdez in there every day. I want Emmanuel Valdez in there every day uh, over Kike. Valdez is hitting. Uh, just over 300, I think, uh, showing some pop. He kind of had an April Fool's home run tonight. Uh, it ended up being foul, you know, to the right of the pesky pole. It was initially ruled a home run, but correctly, they called it back. Um, that dude is showing pop, and I think he's a better situational hitter than uh, Kike Hernandez. And Bloom is going to have to probably trade for a starting pitcher here and he's going to have a huge surplus of guys to deal. He, he could move Kike. He could move Adam Duvall. He could, I I'm assuming he's not going to move a guy like Duran, but there's going to be a surprising trade this summer. And it, it wouldn't shock me if Kike is in it at this point, he could go on a nasty run, but I mean, you look at his numbers right now, he's hitting, uh, 232, I think. Where is it? Let's see. 239. He's really bad. Yeah, 239 yeah. with a 313 uh, on base, which is actually, you know, nor- normally he's not known for drawing a lot of walks. It's either strikeouts or contact outs. But I, I just, I, he's he's been a disappointment this year. Yeah. He, so this whole month, it's been, it's been really down. Like, he, he, uh, his nine errors so far this year as a shortstop. Nine he errors. leads Major League Baseball with nine errors at the shortstop position. C.J. Abrams has one less error and has played seven more games. And Ahmed Rosario has played three more games than Kike uh, Hernandez uh, and has committed two less errors. So there's that. The other thing, in 2021... Kike Hernandez committed zero errors at short. Granted, it was just eight games. Let's go further. Let's go back. 2021, 2022, zero errors both years. 2020, zero errors at short. 2019, did not play. 2018 at short, one error. The last time that Kike Hernandez committed more than one error at the shortstop position was 2017, six years ago. So I don't know how much of it i mean it, the optics of it looks so bad like wh- why does this suck so much and and what is happening to kike hernandez kike has been a zero for the month of may he has one extra base hit he has one walk he's hitting 209 for the month of may and then we have a hamstring injury as to why he's not playing today a hamstring injury and i bunny ear that on purpose i don't think we see him commit his ninth error if you know the new baseball rules that are written in crayon, you know, end up coming into play, but it doesn't change anything. Kike Hernandez has only two runs scored. It's, it's a far cry of what he was able to do in, in April. This is someone who was able to score two runs a game, three, you know, three times in a row. Uh, 
was able to get extra base hits. He had uh, a pair of doubles in the same game twice. It's just a really bad month. But you're absolutely right, Terry. Bloom's going to have to make a, a, a very difficult decision, and Kiki Hernandez might find himself uh, as one of the odd men out, and that, and that could be difficult because he's become a, a fan favorite. But you, you can't afford to have this defensive liability there, not right now, not with everything else that's going on in Boston. So, yeah. I, I, Cody, anything else that you wanted to add or Terry? I mean, he opened the the season as a shortstop, played the first 11 games as a shortstop, had an 0.83 batting average. The first game we put him in the center, he gets two hits, two doubles, and an RBI, brings his batting average up to 125. Literally, you put this guy on grass, and he's like, oh, I'm a ball player again. You know, maybe it's a rotational DH uh, for that third outfielder spot because Durand has played himself into the conversation or whatnot, but this guy can't stay on the dirt. We, we cannot have him in the middle infield continuing to put up zeros in the batter's box and then throwing errors, right? You know, we could deal with Manny's bad defense because he was hitting tens, right? He's a perennial 30-30 guy, maybe even 40-40 with doubles and home runs, and you learn to live with, a, you know, a subpar effort in the field or Manny being Manny, as they like to say, but he's not getting it done on either side of the uh, of the diamond, uh, you know, proverbially. So uh, maybe it makes Bloom's job a little bit easier. Maybe we can move him as a trade chip, uh, you know, with that depth that we all of a sudden have. But uh, that's that's pretty much all I got there. What what the hell changed? Like the, the start of the season, he had two home runs in the first three games. He had he he was he was one for two and then two for four. The first game of the season he went over three with the strikeout, but two home runs, three RBIs through the first three games of the season. After that, he doesn't have his third RBI after that game uh, for another week. And he had an 0 for 27 or 0 for 28, uh, you know, hitless streak, he, the, the Jackie Bradley streak. You know, it's like halfway on your way to Chris Davis's streak. That's awful. I, I don't know. Terry, anything else you want to wrap with? Yeah, with I mean, for as long as Duran is playing the way that he is, Kike Hernandez is not going to be the center fielder for the Boston Red Sox. It, it's just the it's just the reality of it. And maybe when Story comes back, we finally cut ties with Christian Arroyo and Kike is relegated to the bench. You know, And maybe an injury happens. And, and then Kike goes back to the outfield you know, through that avenue. But I don't think with the emergence of Duran, you know, that that's really, that's really going to hinder uh, Kike's future here. And I think Duran helps you win a lot more ways than, than Kike does. So, and Kike to another team is probably going to have a lot of value. I think. Agreed. So. Yeah. Multi-position versatility that doesn't get injured, unlike Christian Arroyo. Arroyo is not even worth a bag of chips. He's yeah. not even worth his 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 you know his weight and dirt. It, it's just Arroyo's just trying to get his hamstrings right, man. Leave the guy out of this. No, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, done. I'm done with Arroyo. He's not a ball player. I'm done with that. Um, so that brings us up to my dud. Um, so my dud was just through association. Uh, Kenley Jensen was my dud, and I love Kenley Jensen. But the real dud here was Wilson bleeping Contreras. Um, there's, there's something I wanted to read uh, to you two and to the audience. And I was going to read it to you before, but then I was like, you know what? I don't want to, you know, blow this take before, you know, I say it. So this is what, what came out. So the violations contribute to Jansen blowing his second save in as many days. One of those violations resulted in ball four and put runners on first and second with none out. Jansen started his move to home plate before Wilson Contreras who was waiting for the clock to tick down to eight seconds, had his second foot in the box. And per Ian Brown of MLB.com, that's nothing against them, but I have to take advantage of the clock a little bit, especially in those situations where we're looking to create a rally. Contreras explained he's been struggling since last night throwing strikes, so just getting him upset a little bit, and it was nothing disrespectful. The game does not revolve around you, Wilson. You were able to exploit a BS rule that is dumb and with no warning because if you watch that whole ninth inning again unless until that came out i don't think anyone could have explained what happened or what was going on or why there was such a a, a kerfuffle around it i can't tell you how many batters would start uh, there was one batter in the 90s who played for the toronto blue jays uh his last name was bautista i think it was danny bautista and he 
he started his stance with one leg way out of the uh, the batting uh, box. And he would just start like that where he'd get kind of facing the pitcher with the bat and then he'd reposition his body, but the leg would be way out. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Kelly Jensen is, is a star closer, one of the best in Major League Baseball. And even though he's blown back-to-back saves, for the lack of a better term, because that was complete BS, I'm still not concerned. I am still – he's still my closer in – Two appearances against the low Cardinals, four hits, six runs, five of which were earned, four walks, a strikeout, uh, excuse me, uh, a home run. His first that he surrendered this year, granted, control wasn't really there. He didn't look great, but I'm sorry. I think I think Major League Baseball needs to do something else to, to change that because you cannot have – one of the best closers in baseball, putting his hands up like, wait, what's going on? Because he started his set not looking at the batter, but looking behind him. And Wilson Contreras wants to make the, the game about him. I mean, what a clown. Absolute clown. Uh, it, it, it really upset me. It really annoyed me. I'm trying to keep it G-rated, but it has really peeved me off. It really did. And, and re-watching it again, Contreras doesn't get on base because he walked on two balls because two were gifted to him and you, you never have to deal with Kike Hernandez committing that, uh, you know, game ending error where two runs came across to score because he decided to, to dive bomb the ball into the dirt. And uh, I think it was Justin Turner who couldn't get it out. So I don't know. I, I was beyond annoyed. I wasn't angry. I wasn't disappointed. I was annoyed because this is just a BS rule that if they'd explained it to him the first time, he wouldn't have done it a second time. And let's face it, Wilson Gutierrez, not a star player, not a star catcher. You just signed a five-year, $85 million deal with the Cardinals, and they won't even let you play the position you were supposed to play. So really, this is just, I mean, I feel bad for Wilson Gutierrez in that sense that he doesn't even get to catch because the pitchers don't feel comfortable with him as their catcher or whatever BS narrative they're trying to sell. But Wilson Contreras, for the lack of a better term, is trying to become relevant any way he can. And this is just a sad way to be relevant because this is not why you want to be talked about or tweeted about or anything about. It's just, it's embarrassing. And I'm just, uh, I'm done. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Uh, Cody, I'll let you go first. And then Terry, uh, you follow him. I think we got to look at this from a larger picture, right? Um, they had been doing the the pitch clock and trying to iron out the rules in the minor leagues for the last couple of years. And then they brought it into spring training this year and, you know, implemented it into the major league level um, with the caveat of there's going to be quote unquote growing pains. I think that's an unacceptable way to handle the situation at the highest level in which we play this game. You cannot have ambiguity within the rules, right? We have foul lines. If it crosses it before third base, it's a foul ball. You know, if it, you know, like we had with the the pesky pole tonight, the ball went to the right of the foul pole. Therefore it's a foul ball. If it goes to the left, it's a home run. They reviewed it. It was a clear decision. And, you know, we got on with the game. Even tonight, there was ambiguity, right? Verdugo wasn't in the box until like three seconds on the pitch clock. And then they assessed a ball to um, Genesis. I, I can't remember his last name. Cabrera. Forgive me for, thank you. Exactly. But, and um, the Cardinals manager was like, hey, what the heck, guys? Like, Verdugo was off in, you know, the field frolicking mentally, not paying attention to the batter's clock. Why is my guy assessed the ball? And the rest of us were watching the game. Like, why is the manager on the field? Like, we don't even know what's going on here. And the commentators are left trying to piece together the narrative and being like, oh, you know, I guess we're just kind of figuring it out as, as we go. And there was no real explanation. And the explanation that was given was Verdugo messed up, yet it's a 1-0 count in the favor of the Sox, which, hey, you know, nothing came of it, but, you know, we'll take it. Um, and, like, you can't have this ambiguity in a rule that is such – crucial i mean you're given that's 25 percent of your at bat if you're just assessed the ball or 33 percent if you're assessed the strike and that completely changes the outcome of of the game or you know at least at the, the very least of that at bat like mikolas had 14 out of 15 batters for first pitch strikes right you know if you can bump those numbers up with these with these violations he was dominant tonight right and you know very different at the if the count starts one and zero versus zero and one and so um I don't know if if there is a way for 
you know, the MLBPA to discuss, hey, these are exactly, you know, the written rules. This is how we have to follow it. But the ambiguity is is unacceptable. And you can't be figuring it out live in the situation either. I don't blame Kenley for getting rattled when he's sitting there in a uh, 2-0 count through theoretically no fault of his own, wondering what the heck is going on. Terry, what are your thoughts? The Cardinals basically exploited some flaws in the in the pitch clock rules and and teams are going to do that and you want teams to do that not necessarily at your expense but you know you want the system to be cleaned up and revised so that it's sound and and fair and perhaps major league baseball is going to have to look at some of these things but kenley jansen hasn't been I mean, he started the inning with a four-pitch walk and, you know, wasn't really commanding well. And it just, it wasn't a good outing for him. It wasn't, it wasn't a good series. And um, Kike let him down a little bit as, as we covered, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, but it is what it is. And you had Red Sox fans on on social media saying that you know they were they were blaming Alex Cora for even having Jansen in there you know for the second game in a row after blowing the save and you're paying him 16 million dollars. He's a Hall of Fame closer. He's getting the ball, okay? Red Sox fans wanted Chris Martin and Kenley's just, he's going to have games like this. He really is. I think he blew like eight or nine saves last year. He, I think he, he led the league with the most saves and he, he led the league with blown saves. So uh, is what it is. We're just going to have to ride it out. Uh, I'm not concerned about the bullpen long-term. I, I think we've got some nice weapons in there. Uh, Ryan Brazier is gone, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and that's what it is. Uh, you know, w- we've got an offense that could possibly win a world series. We have an offense that can win a world series. I think we have a bullpen that, that could, if healthy, probably win a world series. My concerns are with the starting rotation. I, I think that's, what's going to make us or break us and, and more likely break us. But is what it is. I think Jansen figures it out, but uh, you know he's a big part of the reason we got swept here. Right. Yeah. It, it was just really unfortunate. Um, as far as like dishonorable mentions, we already talked about one who's no longer on the team. Brazier got sent packing. Um, Bernardino just didn't have a really good appearance. We just. I, I don't know. I don't want to focus too much on, on some of the players, you know, like some, some people only had one hit in the series or didn't have, you know, multi-hit games. It's, they're just going to have those series. I don't want to spend any time on the, the dishonorable mentions. I want to talk about some of the highlights. I'm really excited to talk about the highlights because while we lost the series, uh, we got swept, we did have some, some, some high moments. So uh, Cody, why don't you take us away with your stud for this series? The long awaited, you know, the much anticipated James Paxton start, right? We had paid this guy multi-millions of dollars over the the course of however many seasons that we had yet to see anything from him. And all of us were lamenting, you know, what a bad decision it was. And, you know, for all intent and purposes, it was a horrible decision, right? You can't pay this guy multiple millions of dollars, have it go against a cap, go against a tax and, and get nothing in return. Uh, but he finally makes his first start, uh, first official start, we should say, as, as a member of the Red Sox. And, to be honest with you, we couldn't have asked for for anything better, right? You know, five innings, which perfectly fine. We don't need him to throw seven innings. We don't need him to throw uh, out his elbow or out his shoulder or, you know, blow an ankle or something weird. So, yeah, you get five innings, you get four hits, two earned runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts. The guy was hitting 98 miles an hour. His control was getting better as the start was going. He was looking stronger. And the reports are there was no, you know, no issues coming out of the start. This was everything we could have absolutely had hoped for. You know, he had kept the the, the hitters off balance. You know, he lost a pitch to Arenado at the beginning of the game, and Arenado lost one over the monster. That's fine. You're going to get beat by a guy like that. That's okay by me. Arenado's a stud. He's a future Hall of Famer. 
this is his first start. He's got some jitters. He felt like a rookie again. You're not going to be able to control it every every pitch. 85-ish pitches. I think the number is actually 87. Yeah, 87 pitches, 58 for strikes. I was just thrilled to see him on the mound and, and looking good because he had gotten knocked around a little bit in AAA. We were a little bit, you know, hesitant understandably, um, but he made it through the start, left us in a position to win the game. Obviously, we we weren't able to convert it, but um, it was just good to see him back on the, on, on the mound and, and pitching well. Terry? I don't have a lot to add. I mean, I, I thought this was the one game I thought we would lose was the Paxton start, and um, nine strikeouts was pretty eye-popping. Um I thought he was going to get slapped around. He did not look good at all in most of those rehab appearances. So, I mean, we'll just see if he's able to continue it. Uh, his next start will likely be against the Padres in San Diego, and they've got a pretty explosive uh, lineup. So we'll see how he's able to navigate his way through that start. But, um, Long term, I can't help but still be a pessimist, if not from a performance standpoint, from a health standpoint. So, totally fair. Just wanted to give the guy some shine yeah. because he had gotten zero shine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, real quick, um, I was I was annoyed with the first inning. You strike out the first guy, you give up a Goldie single. Goldie's one of the probably the best player on that team, arguably one of the two best players. You strike out Contreras, that's a zero. And then uh, Arenado hits a two-run shot in the first inning. So we have two outs, and it's 2-0 Cardinals. You haven't even thrown an inning yet, and your ERA is almost, you know, it's a little over 18. I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed. But as Cody mentioned, the man got stronger and got better with time. Struck out five of the last six guys that he faced. So in the uh, fourth inning, Carlson struck out looking. DeYoung struck out looking Newbar struck out looking. And then the fifth inning, he got Edmund and Goldschmidt Goldschmidt to strike out looking uh, swing. Excuse me. So really happy with what we saw because he was getting tuned at, you know, double A, triple A. And I just, I could not have waited, you know, I, all of us, we needed like a little bit of, of goodness to come for James Paxton because on a season that's been mired with starting pitching woes, it was really nice to see him do what he did. Uh, Cody, anything else that you wanted to add to that? Right on. Terry, your stud. My stud for the series is a guy who is turning it around. Uh, basically looking much better at the plate. That's uh, Tristan Casas. He had a hit in every game. He has an on-base streak of 23 games now, which... Uh, is impressive. A lot of those games uh, were mostly due to, um, you know, his ability to draw walks at the start of this streak. He was still in the midst of his uh, hitting woes, but uh, certainly uh, looking a lot better. He only struck out uh, one time uh, the whole series as well. So when the strikeouts go down, uh, you just have to assume that everything else is gonna, you know, kind of fall in line. You know, he's gonna be hitting steadily and still drawing his walks. Um, didn't hit a home run uh, this series, but we'll take it. We'll take it. And as we said in last week's midweek, what do you do when some of these guys come back? You know, where do you put Adam Duvall if suddenly Casas is just going off and you're not, you got no place to put Justin Turner outside of DH, which is where you might have put Adam Duvall if Casas was slumping because he would have went to Worcester. Turner goes to first base. Duvall's your DH. So lots of uh complications here on the horizon but it's a, it's a good problem to have and Casas has been phenomenal Cody the guy just looks so much more comfortable right i mean there's not really a lot to add i think Terry did a tremendous job covering it um you know we got some insight to who he was as an individual with the mic'd up part and that was great right you know the conversations that he's having with David Ortiz trying to play pepper with the monster 
you know, what it's like making it to the majors, right? You know, this is a young kid who's no whole barred. He tells it like it is. And, you know, it, it does give insight for us that will never experience what it's like to play within, you know, the foul poles at, at the beloved Fenway Park. And, you know, sure enough, the next at bat, he goes the other way, right? And that's, I think, the sign of, of somebody that's going well, especially those power hitters that are so uh, pull heavy. You know, once they start going the other way with the ball, things are going to be looking up. And, you know, he's he's always been a guy that's been revered for his uh, command of the strike zone, not going to be swinging a lot of junk, a lot of garbage. Um, and so, you know, that 23 or 24 base on game streak has been tremendous. And to see him doing it with uh, hits as well as as walks is, is only going to be more encouraging. And if we can get him going, as they say, uh, that just lengthens the lineup because then, you know, that's uh, a potential three spot hitter batting sixth or seventh for you, which, you know, only makes us deeper and better for, for the long term. And real quick, just in the last seven days, uh, he's hitting 375 with a 500 on base. Uh, only three strikeouts in those 16 at bat. So trending the right way. Yeah. So according to ESPN, uh, Tristan Cassis has an OPS over a thousand right now for the month of May. That's just dumb. This guy's he's, he's nine for 26 before tonight's action. Uh, and tonight we saw Cassis go one for three. So, uh, you know, batting average actually dropped by going one for three. Um, it, he's just, he's having fun. I mean, he does look a lot more comfortable to your, to both of your points. This is someone who I thought, you know, Duvall comes back and, you know, we have story back. We're probably going to lose Cassis, but if he starts hitting bombs and I mean, bombs because those are not cheapies when he hits them uh it's gonna be really hard to send him down especially when he is finding a way to get on base each game even if it's just one time sometimes it's two or three times he's doing what he can and he's learning a lot you know you you, you saw you know cody mentioned already like his his uh he's getting to communicate and learn with big poppy about how to play the wall and hitting to all fields this that and the other He's still growing. Like the the mistake when that ball went in between first and second base, he should have made a play for that. And instead, he looked and then just realized no one was there, and he just went to first base. Those are growing pains that are going to come from playing first base as a rookie. I, I know that he played a little bit last year too, but rather than saying that it's a mistake, I think we should start to channel and change the verbiage to it's a learning curve and he's got to learn and see and think, okay, that ball's going to be there. Where's my second baseman? Where's everybody else so that I can be in the right place to help my team. No one's going to call him out on it, at least publicly because he's still learning on top of the fact that he was mic'd up today. But if Terry, I think this is your guy. Like you like Tristan Casas. Right, you you do like Casas? Yeah, I when you know trade packages were being thrown around this off season, and the Marlins were a popular dance partner, and Casas was the right. big name. I wasn't I wasn't open at all, and right. if he gets back to you know what we think he can be, that certainly he's trending more towards extension candidate. Uh, I would say right. you know more than a trade candidate. Right. Cool. So uh, if there's nothing else, um, I'm so excited and blessed that I get to have my stud be Chris Sale again. Because I've been saying it now, and I know there's been some, some naysayers. That's his best performance he's had in a really long time. One run on three hits in eight innings with nine strikeouts. That's really, really good. That's ace Chris Sale good. Yes, I understand. It's the Cardinals. We just got swept by them. And we wasted a Chris Sale eight-inning, beautiful, masterful performance. The only blip was that solo home run to, um, I think it was Arenado. I, I think that was it. That was it. Like, everything else was just, it was beautiful to see. Everything was working. 77 of his pitches that he pitched that night went for strikes. 70%. He's usually, like, in the upper 50s, low 60s. He was making every pitch count. There was no whatever pitches. Every pitch had a purpose. As a starting pitcher, you cannot have wasted pitches. Chris Hill can't afford to have wasted pitches because we don't know how long we're going to get out of Chris Hill. 
I loved seeing this. I think it's safe to say it's back-to-back performance for Chris Sale. I know we were talking about quality starts on the last show that we all got to do together. But Chris Sale now, three straight quality starts. And if you want to string them back together, he's now had four of his last five. He's allowed one run or better in three of those last five appearances as well. One home run allowed in his last five starts. I think it's safe to say that we're going to see Chris Sale start to come back to what we wanted to see out of Chris Sale. He has 19 strikeouts in the month of May. I'm going to say it. Chris Sale's back. Call me crazy, but he's back. Cody, anything you want to say? Uh, I'm going to knock on wood. I'm going to karma cap it. I'm going to do all the things we can do to keep it going because, uh, I mean, it's a sight for sore eyes, right? Uh, you know, this is this is a player that has had a myriad of uh, unique injuries, we'll say the least, over the last couple of years. And, you know, as a fan base, I think we have, unfortunately or rightfully, depending upon which end of the spectrum you are, lost faith in him. And I think what we were seeing at the beginning of the season was him kind of building that faith back up in himself, right? Um, you know, it's it's a lot of adrenaline. It's a lot of feelings. It's a lot of emotions to be able to take the bump again and and throw pitches, you know, especially considering how poorly it's gone the past couple of times that we have seen him. Um, I firmly believe that as he continues to string good outings together, it's only going to be, uh, you know, kind of continuing in this trend. Um, you know, he's starting to do it against better lineup. He's starting to do it against better opposition and better comp- competition. Um, you know, I would love to say he's back. Uh, you know, me, I'm a super superstitious kind of individual, so I don't want to do anything out of the norm to to throw him off his kilter. But it was just so refreshing to see what your, you know, your typical Chris Sale start. It's sale day. He's a stopper. Um, and it was just a, an absolute delight. Terry, what are your thoughts? Oh, man. Um, so he's. He's been awesome basically since his um, last start against the um, basically his April 24th start against the Baltimore Orioles. Been fantastic ever since. Uh, one walk or less in every start since then. Pitchers are they're guessing. They're at the point now where they're they're having to try to guess where he's where he's going to be going if it's going to be fastball slider. It looks the same coming out of his arm slot, so uh, he's locating a lot better. He is basically firing on all cylinders, and the strikeouts are there. I mean, nine strikeouts in in this. Uh, performance against the Cardinals, 10 strikeouts previously uh, against the Phillies. You're as Charlie said, I mean, he looks like he's, he's back. And I guess my only, uh, I guess I won't be all the way there until I see him do it against a, a divisional team, you know, specifically the Orioles or the Rays, but um but for now, you'll take it. We're, we're about to face the Mariners, and then we're going out west for a very lengthy trip. We're going to face, you know, three different teams out there on that West Coast swing. So that's going to be at least a couple of Chris Sale starts. Um, so we'll see. I'm still a skeptic. I, You know, I, I say that with all of my takes. All my takes come with me being skeptical about something. Um the performance is is there it was phenomenal what what's he gonna look like you know is he gonna break down in august or september like we won't know until then but right i you know he's in all of my skepticism with the sustainability of this staff i mean he's still he's still a piece of that for now let me do this. Let me just go through this. So when we signed John Lackey, didn't work out well. Didn't work out well. Here, here's some comparisons between Chris Sale and John Lackey. Both won rings in their 20s. They both looked absolutely washed in their early 30s. Both had Tommy John surgery uh, while with the Red Sox. 
both wore jersey number 41. And John Lackey resurrected his career in Boston at age 34. And that was 2013 when we went on to win the World Series. He won another ring later on at age 37 with the Chicago Cubs. And Chris Sale is exactly 34 years old. So maybe maybe their tortured paths are, are similar. You know, the, the Chris Sale trade went well for, for the majority of three years. The extension did not. And it was a five-year extension. How many years was John Lackey's contract? Five years. So... That's I'm just saying there's some similarities there. If if you're looking to be further optimistic about Chris Sale, you, you saw Justin Verlander kind of well, not really reinvent himself, but he he went through some woes in his in his mid thirties and and bounced back and won what at least one Cy Young, I think two. Uh Clayton Kershaw has found ways to reinvent his himself and, and continue his career. Uh, so maybe maybe Sale has has figured it out. We'll see. Yeah, I, that's tough. It, it's it's hard for me to handle you trying to compare Chris Sale, who's arguably one of the best left-handed pitchers in the last thirty years, with John Lackey, who's a head case and outside of baseball, not really a great person. Someone who has never thrown 200 strikeouts against someone who eclipsed 300 with us. Someone who has gotten 17 wins three times in his career. John Lackey never cracked past 14, never got 15, I don't believe. So, yeah, you bring up a lot of points, but I just – if John Lackey's on the mound, I'm not really scared. If Chris Sale's on the mound, even if he has a bad game, I'm still nervous as hell. It's Chris Sale. And, and, and you guys know I have a special affinity for Chris Sale – I'll wear that jersey on any any day. I, I think now I'm gonna have to buy a couple other ones because it's just time. But uh, I, I love Chris Sale. I'm I'm always gonna be a supporter of him. He I will always be in, in that guy's corner. Uh, as far as other honorable mentions, um, Rob Riff Snyder had a really good game, uh, going three for four in the second game of the series. Uh, knocked in a couple of runs, had a double, no complaints there, and then. Uh, Blyer ended up having two and a third innings of pitching allowed a couple of hits. I don't believe he had a strikeout um, in the series, but you know, a couple of appearances and was able to, to get the job done. It's unfortunate that the third game was an absolute blowout, but only a few, you know, good things happened. We only got five hits in the third game. I mean, they Cardinals just teed off quickly and that was kind of it. The wheels fell off really quick. I, I don't know if there were any other honorable mentions because no one really did anything else. Unless there's anybody else you want to mention, I say we can go into the series. Rafi Devers was four for twelve, had a hit in every game. Dever, yep, but I don't think he had a home run. If he did, I missed it. He did not have a home I, run. Yeah, I, yeah. So you know, I think it's just again, not everyone's going to go off every series, and that was just the thing. So. Um, if you gents are cool with it, I say we move right into the next series, uh, against Seattle. We, Oh, Cody, go ahead. I would just like to say, um, I've gotten on Rafi this year for trying to swing for the fences every time he comes up to the plate. And we saw a mid at bat adjustment, uh, today in the first inning, the first pitch, he was swinging for the fences. I think it was like 95 right down the pipe. He, he took the biggest hack I've seen him take in a long time. And he's like, okay, what am I doing here? I need to compose myself. You know, Verdugo hit a double. Let's just let's just get him out. And you know, he changed his approach, shortened the swing, hit a single to to right. It was great to see. I need to see more of that from Rafael. Yeah, that's that's good feedback, uh, Rafael Devers. If you're listening, keep doing that because Cody will sing your praises, uh, and so will everybody else in Red Sox Nation. Um, Terry, do you have the matchups up? All right, why don't you yep. uh, hit us off with that? All right, so we have a three-game set against the Seattle Mariners, who are I have won eight out of twelve games so far in the month of May. Um, their only series loss was actually to the first place Texas Rangers. That's kind of a weird thing to come out of my mouth, 
but uh, Rangers playing pretty well. So uh, they are all 7.10 p.m. Eastern start, so I like to see that. That's good for the blue-collar crowd. Uh, game one will be George Kirby, who is having a very good season, versus Tanner Houck. So, Cody, let's lead you off. Who do you like in that matchup? You know, it's it's almost like a little disorienting when we do these uh, probable starter matchups because everybody else's ERAs is in the twos and the threes and the fours, and then all of ours are, you know, the fours, the fives, and the sixes. Um, but, you know, I, I want to be an optimist here. You know, I, I think this team is better than what they currently uh, displayed this past uh, weekend. I think, you know, um, it's going to be a little bit of a, a kick in the can or a kick in the butt. Uh, you know, forgive my language there. I, I'd like to think... How goes out west, twirls a gem, six innings, maybe two or so earned runs, and and the Red Sox get on Kirby early. They're they're going to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more assertive in the batter's box. I like the Red Sox in game one. George Kirby's a freak of nature. I'm not picking against Kirby. Kirby shut down Texas, struck out nine, and literally this entire year has only given up two home runs. That's yeah. He he's just been incredibly efficient. He's had one non-quality start. Three straight games, he's gone seven innings or more. He allowed, I mean, one run in one game, three in the other, none in the other one after that. So four of his last five games have been a win, and he's faced the Rangers, who, as Terry mentioned, were the you know weird to be in first place. But he, he's taking on everyone and sitting them all down. Um, he also doesn't walk anybody. He only has two walks or three walks, excuse me, in 2023. So he's incredibly efficient. He's able to, you know, make his pitches. He doesn't blow anybody away. He's not striking out, you know, one per inning. But you don't need to strike out one per inning if you're doing your job in in other ways. So Kirby in game one, Seattle will be up 1-0. Terry. The Mariners actually do not have a very good offense. It's a bottom five offense. Uh, in Major League Baseball, and we faced the Twins, I think took two out of three in that series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Same as the Guardian series, they were a bottom five team at that time. Uh, And despite their good month, they've been doing it with pitching. So I'm kind of torn. I mean, if this was two weeks ago, I think Red Sox find a way to, to win you know, uh, a start like Kirby versus Hauk, but with Hauk being up and down and uh, Justin Turner's been pretty cold. Uh, Yoshida seems to be on a bit of a, of a slump. He, he's working through some things. Duran's been up and down only one for nine uh, in the Cardinal series here. I think this pitching staff is probably catching the Red Sox offense at the right time. And like you guys, I I can't pick, uh, I can't pick against George Kirby. So I'm going to take the Mariners in game one game two on Tuesday night. Again, this is a seven 10 Eastern start. We have Luis Castillo versus Nick Pavetta. Cody, who do you like in that one? Boy, it's uh, it's hard to pick Pavetta at the moment. You know, I know he's going to be fired up. I know he's going to be charged up trying to pitch for his uh, position in the rotation. Uh, but, I mean, Castillo's a bona fide stud. I mean, he was the major move that the Mariners made to make a playoff push. Um, you know, the guy's been doing it all year. You know, um, he's had a couple of shaky starts the last two times out against Houston and against Texas. But other than that, he's been buttoned up. Quality start after quality start. I like the Mariners in game two, unfortunately. Cody, I, I don't even understand what you, you mean. Uh, don't you know that Nick Pavetta is just a starter? I mean, he's he's a starter. Um, I'm not picking Pavetta just on principle after that last one. Um, Pavetta literally gave us one of the most wonderful renditions of Bambi on Ice in 2023 for Major League Baseball completely falling apart. And as Jason would say, I believe throwing up on your shoes uh, this year, he's gotten rocked four times this year. His ERA is North of six. Um, 
And he's facing Luis Castillo, who also has a case of the um, no no walkies and no home runs. He's allowed three home runs and walked nine. He is averaging over a strikeout per nine uh, or per inning. Excuse me, his K nine is good. He's also he's also just incredibly efficient. If, if you look at his line this year, he's had three games this year. He hasn't allowed a run, um, and some of those games he's allowed just a pair of hits. So. Seattle for the first two for me until Pavetta can figure it out. Terry. I don't have much to add. Uh, Luis Castillo has been phenomenal ever since arriving in Seattle. Uh, Nick Pavetta has got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and I don't think that's going to translate to a good start. The guy's a raging head case. He's been walking a ton of people. I think the uh, Mariners win Game two. Game three, series finale on Wednesday. Uh, They do have an off day on Thursday, which comes in handy for uh, the trip out west. But before they go, Marco Gonzalez will face Brian Bayo. Who do you like in this one, Cody? I'm predicting a Red Sox victory here as well. Finally, you know, two starters that are kind of matched up ERA-wise. But, I mean, Bayo, much like he did last year, has started to look better and better after each and every start. Um, He's getting a little bit sharper. He's got the stuff to be able to command a lineup. Uh, Terry, you mentioned it. You know, Seattle doesn't really scare you. You know, they got J-Rod. They got Cal Raleigh. Uh, Kalenix, you know, been up and down, but apart from that, I, I can't really name too many too many guys out west. Uh, I like Bayo and I like the Red Sox to prevail here in Game Three, taking the series before they go down to San Diego. Cody's just got a really nice cadence. I also, so much what you mentioned, Terry, don't have much to add. I also have Brian Bayo uh, winning this one. If you look at his numbers from the month of May to the month of, or in comparison to the month of April, just that even moment glimpse of being sent down to AAA, I think was enough to get him even more fired up. His ERA has, has been cut in half. Um, he's going deep. He's not walking a lot of guys only he's allowed one home run in each game, but he's striking out. Um, he struck out five or more uh, in four of five. And outside of that first start of the year, you're seeing like a, a rookie do his thing. And we're asking him to carry a very large bag because the Red Sox starting rotation, which we've talked about already before, is a problem. So give me Bayo game three. Not much to add. I'm just piggybacking off of Charlie on every pick. Um, I think this lineup is tailor-made for Brian Bayo. If he were to have a bad start, I, I would be very concerned. Uh, this uh, Mariners lineup is its just not a good offense. They strike out quite a bit. They're top 10 in strikeouts for the month of may i think they're actually seventh and i just i i don't i don't think the the mariners are going to be able to accomplish much with marco gonzalez gonzalez is like the pavetta of the mariners they've they've walked a very tortured path with him he's a back end of the rotation guy that's just kind of serviceable back there and just good enough to to hold that spot down but um so it's it could be it could be a low scoring series i think uh you know outside of perhaps game three but uh i'll take the mariners winning uh two out of three right on uh cody anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap it Excellent. All right. Well, that's going to do it for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate all of you. And whether you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank you as well. Everyone have a great night. Take care.